Welcome to 2 Deep Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. We are officially in the dead zone of the summer. There are no games in any sports but baseball between now and, uh, I guess, football season, Robbie. How do you feel about that? It's going to be brutal. I'm not really an NBA basketball fan, so that wasn't doing much for me. The Caps were exciting, though, and I'm not a big hockey (laughs) guy. I'm not a big hockey guy, but that was fun to watch um, and great for the D.C. area. A lot of excitement. So, How about the bender the Caps are on right now? <laughs> Ovi might be like you just getting back from Dewey. He's going to be uh, – <laughs> I think he's going to be getting night sweats for the next three days. Uh, oh, man. he's He still hasn't come down, man. The parade was today, I guess. Those guys have just been getting after it. it it's a bender that would uh, – Make Don Draper blush. <laughs> yeah, it's been good. It, it is funny, though. You, the people talk about this. The Stanley Cup is just, it's a whole different experience than any other sport in terms of the celebration. You know, there's stories about that thing ending up at like the bottom of a pool, like after some celebrations. It goes for a, it's a wild ride. And it's unlike anything. NFL, you know, they take the championship trophy and it goes right into a safe practically immediately stanley cup yeah just i makes mean the obviously i just watched my favorite team the eagles win the lombardi and they celebrated plenty and it was pretty fun to watch and around philly you get to see a few more videos here and there but the caps like celebration is unlike anything i've ever seen yeah it's pretty good so i uh, and you know whether you you care about Ovi or you don't, I'm glad to see him get a win um, and and take it home because uh, it was a long time coming. The Warriors won their third title in four years, and that was like, who cares? Because they <laughs> swept, and we could have told you that in October that they were going to win it all. Uh, I guess we do have the World Cup, but the U.S. isn't even in it. So yeah, so uh, we've got kind of a long time to go here before uh, we have any games of meaning. And in our favorite sport of meaning is is football and Virginia Tech football at that. So we've got a little ways to go, but we're going to try to fill some of that time for you in this podcast and a couple others before August. Uh, you know what? I forgot to do a cheers. So why don't you give us a cheers now before we get into the real meat of the podcast? So I think the cheers that I'll have to put out there is usually during the dead of the off season, uh, you know, it, things get a little bit boring. I, I would say uh, for better and for worse, things have not been that boring lately. So when there's been a lot of action, some of that has been extremely positive and things that have happened over the you know the last week or so. Some of them uh, have potential to be negative, but overall, at least it's kept us uh, entertained and um, at least interested in the program, what's going on. There's not a lot of access these days. So anything that we can get that keeps us interested in Hokie football, uh, I'm excited uh, about that. So let's just give a cheers to having something to pay attention to, to comment on, to write about, to talk about during the off season. How about that? Cheers. This is probably the most action I can remember between the spring game and what is it? June 12th. Uh, and any time the last few years we've been following and covering the team and the podcast, there's just been so many things that have been going on. A lot of recruiting things, but other things as well. 
and we'll start on May 18th, how about, and the Devin Ford commitment. Uh, He committed to Penn State. I think everyone knows he didn't pick the Hokies, but the decision seemed to come right down to the last week. And a couple days before there were tweets and rumors leaking out that he's going to pick Penn State. And I would say Hokie Nation kind of had a mini meltdown. Yeah, I would say it was a mini meltdown. I had already prepped myself for this one. I mentioned to you and other people that we talked to over text and things like that. I was already prepared for the worst. So it wasn't that surprising. Having gone through a lot of the big <laughs> naughty in hand and all those situations in the past, I've become accustomed for that sort of thing to happen. So um, as sad as it is to say, I just kind of let my expectations fall to the floor and then hope that I get a big lift. And they fell to the floor. And I think what was particularly important um, to see the reaction across the fan base was was not so much um, that we didn't get him. It was that it should have been much, I guess you could say, it should have been somebody that we got, right? So we lost some of yeah. our big recruits in the past to Florida State when they were humming, Alabama when they were humming. And there's no doubt what Franklin's doing at Penn State isn't, very, very um, encouraging for that program in the way that he's recruiting right now. But to lose to Penn State on that was that's a tough pill to swallow because they really haven't done that much, right? We're not talking it's about not as it's not as a much of a blue blood as some of the other ones. Historically, yes, Penn State has a lot of clout, but they're on the come up, and Franklin has them going. And we also just felt like we were in a really good position with Devin Ford. I mean, the spring game almost felt like uh, a coronation of his commitment with the Vic tweet and everything. Um, And they have a bunch of other running backs in that program. I will say when you put a running back as the number two pick in the draft, as like Saquon Barkley, that's a nice selling point for someone like Devin Ford, even if there are other running backs already uh, in that program. So, yeah, he could have come in here and basically written his own ticket for playing time and all that kind of stuff, and but he didn't pick us, and that's a credit to Franklin. He's doing a heck of a job. They've stolen a bunch of top VA recruits. They love to needle us a little on that, and uh, <clears throat> we might be able to uh, needle him a little bit later in the podcast with some of our recruiting uh, uh, success as of late. But, yeah, it sucked. It, it sucked, and uh, everyone just kind of felt like this was a huge miss by our coaching staff. Yeah, I think there was um, – the, we had an inside track there. I think that was actually pretty good, and we had a chance to land him. Um, is at least what I've heard from some people that know pretty well that this was one that we really you know could have gotten. And I feel like some of the backlash um, – and I've fought it out on many of a message board about it. And in, in, as a result, um, was that you know we may this one may have been as much on us as anything. We got beat yeah. on this, and then to get beat means that you know you had an inside track. You should have been able to get it, and there was a feeling or a sentiment from people that um, you know we may have gotten beaten, and and that kind of sucks. I think, but yeah. um, you know, guess what. Things uh, things happen, and you know, as we'll get to, some positive things happen as well. Before we get to the positive, let's go over uh, a little bit more negative news. This time regarding the cornerbacks, 
And if you've been on the key play lately, you might have seen French's article, like the cornerback crisis at Virginia Tech or whatever it was named. There's crisis was in the title. And the reason he said that is because Adonis Alexander was ruled academically ineligible for next year. Uh, surprise, surprise, <laughs> something me and you hinted at in our last podcast that let's not count on Adonis because he's let us down in the past. And although he started 15 games and has been a good player, when Fuente isn't playing him in the spring game and he says he needs to work on school, the writing was on the wall. You have to read between the lines, whatever idiom you want to use. <laughs> and now he's going to enter the supplemental draft and hopefully get picked up by an NFL team in July. Yeah, I hope that he does. I hope he has a successful career. I thought the interviews with him, uh, including the key play interview, were very transparent. Uh, he was one, you know, one of the keys to that sort of situation is being able to look at yourself and be honest. And he was pretty honest that he was relatively immature, that he didn't keep his eye on the ball, that at certain points he thought he was kind of larger than life and could do what he wanted. And and ended up coming back um, and, you know, hurt the program, hurt, you know, his career with Virginia Tech, uh, hurt the fan base. But I still hope the best for him and hope he gets picked up in the supplemental and he has a great career ahead of him because he's an outstanding player. He just, um, you know, he screwed up and it happens to people and it's too bad. But I hope he, the best for him moving forward. I wonder if he's going to play corner or safety in the NFL because his freshman year at tech, he was Rover, right? Yeah. And he had a spectacular year. Then they moved him to corner. Cause you know how Bud loves his big corners. Uh, and he was successful, but would blew a lot of coverages. Uh, and I wonder if maybe he'd be a better safety in the NFL. Uh, and I'm also curious to see what teams are like what they're going to willing to give up because in the supplemental draft you have to give up a pick in the following year's draft. Uh, so will teams give up a fourth? Will they give up a sixth? And uh, what position will he play? It's going to be interesting to see because people feel like he's going to get picked. Yeah. Not many players. Years go by and no, no one gets picked in the supplemental draft. It has to be very rare circumstances. This year they said like two or three guys might get picked because of just random instances. So I'm just. For me, if he's going to be successful in the NFL, I feel like it would be at safety and not at corner, but I don't really know. I think keeping them some of those times that he got beat that I recall, and it's trying, it's hard to go back through everything. It's keeping the ball in front of him, I think is probably a good thing. And I, I think those were times that, if you remember when we talked about, you know, when he was getting beat, it was usually kind of over the top and he's, you know, backpedaling and then trying to, yeah. I think keeping the ball in front of him is probably going to be you know, the, the, the better chance for success for him. So I agree with you. The other bad news in the cornerback area was Jeremy Webb, the four-star Juco that was coming in and assumed to start at one of the outside corner spots. He tore his Achilles, like, what, first day on campus, basically? I mean, it seemed like it came out right after he got there. That is a huge bummer. We were, like, really thinking that was just a starter coming in as a recruit. Yep. So... Adonis and him, that's your two starting corners potentially for next year, just off the table. Then you add in the fact we had Stroman, Faison, and Terrell Edmonds, three more DBs, leave for the NFL. Uh, 
it is a bit of a crisis. <laughs> if yeah. you're gonna, in terms of what we expect from cornerback play at Tech, I guess calling it a crisis would be appropriate. Yeah, I mean it's uncharted. I wouldn't say that's probably bad. Not uncharted waters, but it's uncomfortable for a program that relies as, as heavily. Uh, on that, I mean, if you go back to the Ohio State game, I mean, that's how most people, you know, credited to us, you know, putting our 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 backs on the on an island. That's something that um, we take pride in, and I think the players take pride in. So to be in this type of position and have this limited depth, or at least limited knowledge of what we're going to be putting on the field, is tough, and it's a mix of one success from people that we were keeping on the field and then ended up graduating and then two from a couple of unfortunate events. So, uh, it's not, it's not great no matter what it is, because even if we are able to fill it out with positions or or people that can play well, we're not going to have depth, right? That's kind of an impossibility at this point, or at least, um, start starting depth, I would say is people that you would feel comfortable putting out there. Um, but I would also say that uh, the backups probably won't be that much worse than the starters just because you you had to bring it, you know, you brought the talent level down from the top. So I, yeah. Watts, Bryce Watts is going to be starting at one of the corner spots. He might have started anyway. Um, he Like if Webb was playing, he probably would have been opposite Webb uh, and he would have had a key role even if Adonis and Webb were there. Waller is that incoming freshman that French has loved, and I watched his tape, and he high points the football and all that kind of good stuff you want to see out of a corner. Uh, he played in the spring game. He's already in school. Had the one uh, blown coverage against Savoy, I believe, but performed well, and Foster said he had a great spring. Uh, and then you've got Javon Quillen and Rogers, two veterans that would also fill in. But don't you think with our depth at safety – and nickel that we might be moving some guys around. Yeah, I mean, there's and there's a lot of conversation about what we're going to do with Mook, and then <laughs> there's the Farley situation. I think some of the moves that already kind of happened um, are are why everybody's on pins and needles about this because there were some moves that everybody was already kind of not questioning. I would just say that you know we 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 shifted people around. And now we're trying to put the pieces back together in a way that makes sense. And it's affecting the entire defensive backfield uh, and even up in front of that. So I I think there could be some shifting. I It's a long way of saying, I don't think anybody knows what the hell Bud's going to yeah. put out on the field. Uh, and he may adapt the entire backfield. He may be playing different coverages. He he is as intelligent as you can be in these types of situations and making the best of of what happens during unfortunate circumstances. But I think that's why people are more unsettled than anything else and because they know that they're not going to get access to understand what's really happening probably until we play Florida State. I know. Like You look at Floyd and Diablo and Ladler like three pretty much safeties. And then you've got Mook and Hunter who are our whip nickels. And so one of them would seem like they could, I don't know, Devin Hunter's not a corner. Mook potentially could move to corner, you think, but he's such a good whip when he's fully healthy. I don't know. I do trust that Bud will 
figure out the best positions for all these guys. But Watson Waller figure to maybe be the two starters. Tyree Rogers, um, he he could potentially. We just don't know. That's the thing is, I think Bryce Watts. You can you can put him as a starter. They've loved him since he got to campus. I think he was an early enrollee last spring. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll just have to see. He needs to put some weight on too, though. He was one of the lightest guys on the team last year. Do we want to do the big one? This one is. Uh, Something that we're going to tread a little bit lightly because we don't know all the facts, or and really nobody does. But I think a beer break is uh, in order before we uh, we jump into this uh, hot pile of uh, stew. Yeah, I'll let's leave it. that as a tease. Let's take a let's take a quick beer break. What are you drinking? So I am drinking the Frequency uh, Modulation Number One. It's from Kindred Spirits Brewing. Um, which I've started to see, uh, you probably know them from, uh, Richmond and, uh, they're brewing out of there. It's a very good, uh, hop forward Citra, um, double dry hopped IPA. And it's pretty good. Kindred spirits kind of has jumped up on the radar. I'm starting to see it at a lot of bars, uh, that do craft beer and things like that. And at least locally up here in Northern Virginia, and I would say it's a, a pretty good beer. I would say it's as you know straightforward as you could get for a double dry hopped. Uh, nothing too unique, but uh, it's about six point eight percent. So it's actually a little bit lower on the alcohol um, than you would see for you know a really heavy kind of double dry hopped. And I like it. It's a uh, it's a pretty good beer. I'm drinking a beer from Aslan beer company uh-oh. uh what is that ashburn uh well it's kind of in sterling yeah ish area but yeah this is one of the ones i had uh had my buddy pick up for me and it's the triple orange starfish it's their triple ipa 12 percent alcohol and it's awesome i really really like it. it doesn't sit heavy like some triples will and although it's got that hazy color and everything the flavor is is pretty crisp for a triple. Like, I mean, twelve percent is serious. Like, I, I'm I'm kind of amazed how good it tastes. It's called the triple orange starfish, and there is that citrusy orange flavor in it. Uh, not overwhelming. It's clearly got some decent amount of sugar in it because I think that's why it tastes as good as it does. But um, but yeah, man, it's it's really good. I've had a couple Aslan beers now, and this is the best one I've had. Yeah. Aslan does good. And I guess it's kind of Herndon if you want, but uh, they throw a lot of fruit and a lot of hops in their beer, and that's kind of how it ends up shaking out. And it's um, most of their beers are like that. They they try not to be overpowering, from, but they usually offset it with uh, a lot of the fruit. And that sweetness tends to come through and cut some of the, the heaviness out. Um, and that the starfish, they started, when I first had it, it was the, like, it was the original starfish, and then they went yeah, double, a and, double, and then a triple, and then a triple yeah. now. So I haven't had that one, but I'm sure it's. I imagine good. if it got scaled back to a double, because I I was never able to try the double, but that would probably be like amazing. Yeah. And then like just because this, obviously, you don't want to drink a 12 percent beer every time you want to have a beer. But I like had it watch a movie the other night and drank one of these, and it was like this is this is cool. But on a hot summer day, sometimes those fruity IPAs are great, but. 
I wouldn't want to drink this necessarily. Yeah, you'll end up in the kiddie pool passed out and uh, yeah, just be done. <laughs> I'll end up like Ovechkin in the fountain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get on to, uh, to our quarterback, Josh Jackson. There were some rumors floating around last week that someone on the team was perhaps kicked off the team. It turns out Josh Jackson has been suspended indefinitely for an honor code violation of some kind. We don't really know any more than that. Uh, It was corroborated by the beat writers after some of the tweets came out. And they seemed optimistic that he might be okay. But other rumors indicate that he's not going to be okay and maybe in fact, kicked off the team like the original rumors said. So we're dealing in rumors. So we're like, we don't want to start any new rumors. We're kind of just going to discuss the ones that are already out there that he has an honor code violation that might not be the first one. And that might result in him getting kicked out of school. Yeah. And I would say the only reason I'm, I'm, this is not a comfortable conversation as, as much as, you know, we don't really have anybody to report back to, but um, we do try and kind of keep it level set. The only reason I'm totally comfortable with that statement is just because of the statements from his dad. Uh, so like there was something that like, there's something bad that happened. That's there, there's right. a decision looming or was looming if it's already been made or whatever the case um, to that effect. So I think that above all else um, really for me kind of set it over the top. And at a certain point, Virginia Tech is an academic institution first, and it's an athletic institution second. And um, I think we the football coaches can't save you yeah. if it's a serious honor code violation. That's is what I think you're trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say, and nor should they. Is also what I'm trying to say. Uh, and that's a personal opinion, which is why I'm trying to tread lightly. Is you know. I graduated from there. I got a degree hanging on my wall at a job that I care a lot about and in former jobs that I care, you know, a, a lot about. And that reputation means a lot. So yeah, I actually, I, I do care about that. I care that it's, you know, everybody had to go through the same grueling rigor that I did to get my degree. And, um, if it is, and I'm not saying that it is, if it is academic, the football programs are provided with a lot of resources to make sure that you can get through school. And I'm not saying that everybody is a genius or really smart or whatever, and I'm far from it, but you are provided with ample opportunity to try and get your degree um, and to get through there cleanly. So I hope all this is just a bunch of, you know, uh, misinformed information. It doesn't seem that way. Uh, but if it is something academic, then, you know, it could be bad because that's where you lose control, especially since it seems Virginia Tech over time, which I appreciate, is taking academics extremely seriously with regard to our student athletes. And I think that's important. And I think we kind of, uh, we can move on to the, uh, let's assume that he gets kicked out of school uh, just just for the sake of a conversation. We don't know whether that's going to happen, but if he does, this is a gigantic blow to our 2018 hopes. And I know not everyone is the biggest Josh Jackson on the field fan, 
Uh, they think like, he didn't play very good at the end of last year. He might have gotten worse as the year went on. And you're rooting for uh, Willis or Hooker or even Quincy Patterson to be the starter. You can do whatever you want, but we're going to win less games with those guys, most likely. It, that, that would be my opinion. So it's a huge, huge blow if he's not going to play next year. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. Um, there may be in other people's minds, but anyone that thought that Willis, which in and of itself has its own complications that are even, <laughs> yeah, just a Google search. Well, I don't even want to bring that one up because it's even you know, increasingly like, Ridiculous. If you want to go check some of the message boards on the key play about Willis and uh, Josh Jackson, go there. Uh, yeah. There's some of the rumors are on there. Some of the rumors are on Twitter. But there, there's drama with both guys. I've 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 just kind of <laughs> I've just become numb to the situation because it's so in, intense and there's just so much going on that uh, I just think we want to come out on the other side and figure out what we're working with and stressing over it. I know it's giving everybody angst. Uh, it is not, is not really helping at this point. And, you know, whether it's hooker or Willis or <laughs> Josh Jackson, Josh Jackson gave us, I Chase think, Moomau. yeah, <laughs> Jackson, <laughs> I agree with you to your original point would gave us the best chance, I think to have a s- successful season uh, next year. But I will preview that my expectations for next year, given the developments this offseason, have come down dramatically. <laughs> and that's just, yeah. And that's not just. I don't think there's any way that they couldn't, right? Right. I mean, it's 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 a tough situation that we've had to deal with, which um, we'll have to see. But listen, I hope that everything is fine. Everything's good. We'll just prepare for the worst and uh, hope for the best. That's all we can do. Prepare mentally <laughs> for, yeah. for potentially not having our starting quarterback return to the team. Uh, and if he does, then all the better, then we're all good. All the better. I mean, then <laughs> you might as well uh, not stew in it, but prepare for the worst, but then get ready. And then if it comes back positive, then we're all good. Well, except for at corner. <laughs> uh or defensive tackle um but yeah we have we have other issues that we're that we're dealing with so uh, we wouldn't want to lose our starting quarterback we actually were starting to think that next year would be the offense taking the role as like the strength of the team because everyone's like a year or two ahead in the recruiting cycle on that side of the ball uh, bringing back a lot in general um a trio of running backs we like but if you lose josh I guess we should. I should ask you: Do you want to go scorched earth and start the youngest guy with the most highest upside, or are you still let's just win as many games as possible? Um, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack know, in, that question, in that question <laughs> because um, I think I think of the program in total. And I've come to kind of think of it in total, which is there's recruiting, there's player development, there's who you put on the field, there's the coaching staff, there's donations, there's who's donating, how much are they donating, how excited are the people that are donating to the program. Um, 
that's that's all a package. So if you you lose somebody like that, I feel like that gives you more opportunity to take a chance on development because most people are going to throw their arms up on the season after knowing what happened at at corner. And most people are going to throw their arms up and say it's over um, knowing what happened at, at quarterback. Um, along with, you know, a lot of other the guys leaving early. Yeah. Leaving early and a lot of development that needs to happen on the, you know, the defensive line and what we're trying to figure out there. So I feel like it would be a good opportunity to kind of reset and, um, that can also backlash and that can have a circular, you know, effect because then if you have a bad season and imagine that we went and missed a bowl game this year, which it's becoming increasingly impossible to miss a bowl game because they added three more team or three <laughs> more know. games this year. I would feel like we're not missing a bowl game. Yeah. So, <laughs> but if something like that happened, it could um, scuttle what Fuente and his coaching staff are trying to develop from, 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 I won't call them boosters from donors, from, you know, people that have a lot of impact on the program um, that could be detrimental. It could be. If you go out and have a disaster season, it could change your recruiting profile. It could change the way people view it and donate and all that kind of stuff. But on the other side of that coin, if you start Quincy Patterson, an Elite 11 high-level recruit, which I don't necessarily think he's ready to start or whatever, but if you start a true freshman with a potential like his and he plays well, think about the upside from that and the excitement and the potential money and and everything that we just talked about on the other side. Yeah, it could be a disaster or it could be a major coup. So it, it's it's an interesting dilemma that we're not sure we have yet. And I'm still kind of hoping we don't have, but it's going to be really interesting on our next podcast what we're talking about in terms of who we want to start, how we want the program to take shape, and uh, how August will shake out once everyone and the new recruits are on campus. Yeah, my my um, bigger concern is more if you try and buy a season, which is that you're not even like, you still don't put <laughs> Quincy on the field. You're just trying to glide through this year. Um, so you, you don't really accomplish anything other than you're just reacting to unfortunate events. So that, that I think is more the more likely outcome and the more detrimental outcome at the same time, if that makes sense. If you, you know, if you got, if you got the brass on you to, you know, put Quincy out there and be like, yeah, he's our starter. We're going to FSU. Yeah. Just go full bore. Um, hats off to you. I, I'd love to see something like that. If for nothing well, else, when they did that, I think everyone would be a little excited because it's like, okay, he believes in this kid yeah. and he's just, he's just going to go for it. Yeah. The question is, is whether we just use a stopgap to kind of leap a year and, uh, we'll never get to know that. We'll never know the actual inner workings no. of that decision, but you'll probably see it on the field. If that's the case where we're just trying to get to 2019. How many fake punts will Mr. Mumau have to throw for first down for us to beat FSU? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of fake punts, I think. Uh, it's looking like more more every day. <laughs> All right. Do you want to move on to the good stuff? There was some good stuff that's been happening. I know. Uh, and a lot of it is 
recruiting. And that pretty much all of it is recruiting. And that is great news for the future. I think we can all agree that no matter what happens with Josh Jackson or cornerback, the talent coming in and the future is bright. And the weekend of June 9th was one of the best recruiting weekends I can remember for Virginia Tech in quite some time. We got a commitment from Cameron Kelly on Friday. And I couldn't love this commitment more. Oh, gosh. Uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. His name's Cameron. And for me and you especially, like we were in college when Cameron the Rapper was still popular. I, I knew as soon as this happened that you were going to be all over that. And I was just waiting for you to, to start making comments about it. I mean, it's so great. Like, we, I think we when we played Ohio State, there was a guy named, was it Raekwon? Yes. On, he, like, <laughs> and uh, is Raekwon, uh, is it Mil- McMillan? Uh, McMillan, I think, like or something like that, yes. yes. And so, like, his parents were obviously, like, huge, huge fans. Yeah. And, like, this guy's parents, Cameron Kelly's parents, have to be huge fans of Cameron, which is just, like, I love that because I was a big fan back in the day. Hey, Ma, oh, boy, whatever it might be. <laughs> uh, down and out. That was one of my favorites. Um, I'm dying. In any case, <laughs> back to the kid. He's a four-star <laughs> cornerback. He picked us over Penn State and Clemson. And this was a really shocking and in some ways, in my mind, made up for the Devin Ford uh, mishap because we weren't in his top eight. And then he picked us, which is just like, that's found money. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I don't think it's even found money. I think it, it was worked for money because people wanted him to play safety. He wanted to play corner. And that that's what it really came down to. And Virginia Tech made a promise. They committed to him that they're going to give him a shot there. Uh, the other teams, it sounded like, made a commitment that he's probably not going to have a shot there. And we ended up on the right side of that battle. And um, I think it was the right message. I hope we continue to stick with it. He's going to definitely get a shot there because obviously there's <laughs> there's some availability that we need and some depth that we need to build over time at that position. And um, I think he could fit it very well for our program. So I was excited. It happened very quickly. And I think the decisions happened very quickly over that time, but nobody could be anything other than ecstatic to have somebody like him in the program or committed. Absolutely. It also helps that he's good friends with Keyshawn Artis and Devin Hunter. I think that helped put it over the top a little bit. Uh, he said he had a lot of friends in the program. So, Hey, that's great. I, I love the fact that guys who just got there or been there a year are helping influence younger guys to come into the program and speaking highly of tech. <clears throat> that's what you need. And, and now that Cameron Kelly's in the mix, he w- he's been doing that already. And we got another commitment from Jaden. I'm going to say Payouette. Uh, I'm not sure if that's correct. It's payout with an E on the end. But this was a surprising commitment because it happened very quickly. He rose up the ranks on 247 very quickly and then committed to tech as basically as soon as he got an offer, I believe. And right now in the composite, he's the number two player in the state of Virginia. Now, Cameron Kelly's five, so he's nothing to sneeze at either, but these are two big-time Virginia commitments right now. Yeah, and to your point, that's why... As it stands, it's probably one of the bigger weeks in Virginia Tech recruiting. 
uh, that we've seen. Um, you're 100% right on the last name, but I'm going to go with Poyet, and you can say Payout, or we can say Poyot. I don't know which of those it is. Um, it's uh, JP. How's yeah, that sound? He bubbled up from nothing. He, like there was when he he mentions how he first Virginia went to Virginia Tech, visited. It wasn't for him; it was for somebody else. But since then, his uh, recruiting interest from a lot of schools has kind of exploded. And I think a lot of that um, is a, a testament to his speed, which a lot of people bring up, and him being able to, um, you know, rub, run like a sub four four, and you know how he is uh, an amazing athlete on that side. But I think there's a lot of other talents that he has that are starting to come to bear in terms of the recruiting uh, agencies looking at him and what they're evaluating him on. I just happen to think that 24-7 was out ahead and actually uh, spotted somebody that a lot of other people missed. Yeah, and that might be the reason, the speed that you were talking about. He's the Virginia State champ in the 5A 100 meter, uh, which is is great. And you add that to guys like Ellis and Cole Beck. And I know Denmark uh, was on the track team too. I mean, we have a, there's some guys with some speed, Farley. Uh, on this team and if you add this guy in you know that's that this is the kind of playmaker we could use on the outside and the fact that both of these guys are from virginia and they're both like top five guys like whether they stay there or not right now they are and this is something we haven't been able to get like penn state's been coming in and taking our guys well we took cameron kelly from penn state which was nice because that would have been a real kick in the teeth if he picked them as well um and to get like you know a guy that's rising in the ranks right now in Jaden, like it, it's great like he's not even this is how quickly he's risen up the ranks on 247 he's not even ranked in rivals at all yeah like there's no there's it's not a two star or one star there's just it's zero stars there like it's like they don't even know about him it, it's kind of crazy and maybe winning the state title and the 100 meter help that just because like they see the speed i don't really know but uh it's i'm glad that he chose tech let's let's be serious here this is a great and oscar smith lc bird these are high schools that we know about and would be great to build more pipelines in uh so i'm i'm pumped about these two commitments man it's like like we've already harped on it's it's one of the most successful recruiting weekends in a while and we haven't even seen necessarily all the results from it yet uh, because holman wiggins on monday put out a tweet saying that we got another one with the dj Khaled uh like gif going with it so there's another commitment on top of these two that hasn't even been announced yet yeah i agree and i think um the holman wiggins thing was it was cryptic and it was um it was timed in a weird way but i i hope it means that there's somebody else coming in one of the guys that was on campus this weekend was the five-star wide receiver from Pennsylvania, Julian Fleming. And 247, I think, had just put out their top guys for 2020. And this guy Fleming was one of them. And he was at Tech, and he tweeted out, like, VT making moves or something and pictures of him in the uniform. And that came out right after the Holman Wiggins tweet. And so everyone, including myself, got super excited. Like, does this 2020, like number two in the country level recruit 
want to come to tech, like that would be amazing. Is he the recruit that we're talking about here? I, we don't know if he is or not. I'm, I'm guessing he's not and that he just had a really good visit and wanted to tweet about it. Uh, some other guys that could be that mystery recruit that Holman is talking about. Jordan Houston, uh, three-star wideout from Oakton. Riley Simmons, three-star guard from Georgia. His announcement dates June 20th. Tavion Robinson, that's a guy people have been talking about for a while that might be a tech commit. Three-star athlete from Virginia Beach. And then a newer name that was coming up was Taj Gary, three-star running back from Georgia. Uh, and I was watching some of his tape today. I texted you. I was like, that kid is is nice. Like He's 5'9", 215. So imagine what that looks like running the football. It's it's uh, he's like a little bowling ball there. It's like MJD. Yeah, he's just slipping so through tackles and uh, oh, and then also blowing people up at the same time. But it's, uh, that he's gonna have some momentum. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him in a tech uniform for sure. So there's there's a handful of guys that everyone's speculating who could be this this mystery commitment um, that Holman tweeted out about. I, I'm guessing it's a wide receiver, right? Like I would think that Houston would be my number one guess, but I know people are thinking Simmons, the guard is going to commit and Robinson's going to commit. So we'll just have to see, uh, another guy, Mario Kendricks, three-star defensive end from Florida. He named Virginia tech, his leader and his commitment dates June 27th. So there could still be a bunch of action left for us in this month. Um, And this isn't going to be the biggest class for us either. So the next few names you see come off the board, um, there's not going to be that many more after that. I've heard as little as maybe like 16 or 17 guys we might take in this class. You can never account for what the attrition will be once the fall comes, but that would be, I know we're due for a small class. Yeah. And I think the other interesting part, which is this is year two, early signing. And so while everybody keeps saying just wait till signing period, I will just remind everybody that signing period when 90% of uh, athletes will end up signing or something along those lines. It was 85, I think, or in 90. Yeah, I think, yeah, somewhere in the 80s, I think. Right. So 85, 80, 85% of players are going to sign. Obviously, big names right in December. The wait is not necessarily as long as it used to be, uh, for better, or for worse. But I think for all of us, it's uh, better. So um, that's in terms. Yeah, we're like at six months, right? Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's maybe less. Yeah. Because it used to be when we would have this discussion, we're like, "Oh man, it's you know <laughs> that far off." But it's, it's, yeah, 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 it's coming. It's in. Uh, it's in 2018. It was when a lot of these guys are going to sign. So. Credit to the coaches. They have been putting in so much work to make this past camp weekend successful. Like, It's pretty unreal, the reviews that we've been hearing about this recruiting weekend and how excited and happy everyone that was there and like the guys who are already committed, trying to get new guys committed. It's very cool. Okay, so the last thing I had was just as we were starting this podcast, uh, there was a tweet from... Mark Dythorn, uh, the pit recruiting coordinator, someone rumored to be coming over to Tech to replace Chuck Cantor, he tweeted from Blacksburg, Virginia, thank you, Pitt. Uh, I think we all know what that means, and it looks like this guy, Mark Dythorn, will be hired as our director of recruiting. Um, it's been talked about a little bit, 
and he apparently worked for Florida when they signed the number one recruiting class in the country back in, I want to say, 2009 or 2010. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he's a VT guy. He's a VT alum. He's coming back to Tech to help with our recruiting. Uh, this is an interesting move, and I always felt like – didn't you feel like Pitt has always done a little bit better – than they should be doing recruiting wise, considering how much they suck. Yeah, I mean they haven't been relevant since what to what like two thousand probably. Um, yeah, is what last time they've always done um, a little bit better. There was I, I I like reading both sides and you know reading some of the comments from people. I think it's easy to just be like, oh, yeah, why would we grab a recruiting coordinator out of Pitt? It's Pitt. And you're like, okay, well, guess what? They have (laughs) one of arguably without disease, one of the best running backs that's uh, played uh, and, you know, and played in the last like five, six, seven years uh, that he recruited directly from my understanding. So um, I think, you know, it's easy to just kind of throw negatives at stuff. Quite frankly, and everyone's got to come from somewhere, right? You can't you can't all start at Alabama. Yeah, well, uh, so. or look at where Buzz's beginnings were. I mean, there's and in fact, he he he's he says a lot of you know what he is today is because of his beginnings and and what he developed in terms of you know starting off somewhere. And you know, Frank and Bud were at Murray State, and you know you have to start from somewhere. Um, and, and Bud was not the highly, most highly recruited defensive coordinator, but he ended up putting paying out pretty well for, uh, Virginia tech over 30 years. So, um, guess, it guess seems like a solid hire. Yeah. It seems like a solid hire and I allow people, um, one, an opportunity to prove themselves. And two, uh, I recognize that 98% of the people and probably more that are commentating on, on the hire don't know shit about recruiting. And, no. um, and you know, it's a little frustrating to see backlash of what we wanted. People said Fuente would be a terrible recruiter um, that were against him getting hired. Well, guess what? It, he's done pretty well. I mean, he's, his classes have been yeah. pretty good. Um, I just think it's... Uh, fun and when during times are down to just kind of rip on everything that gets decided. But um, I take solace in the fact that um, most people don't know shit. So um, that's my, <laughs> because, because his else. name came up and that it yeah. was commented on, you know, in some respects negatively about why we would want to bring in somebody like that, which we ended up bringing in, which just got announced and, you know, I'm happy to have somebody in that's excited about the program and has, has a history of the past of doing pretty well at their job. He's a tech guy. So whatever passion he had for getting top players to pit is only going to be, uh, you know, taken up a notch now that he's out at his alma mater. And now he's got more experience. And I like the fact that he's a fairly young guy as well. I mean, he's younger than both you and I. So uh, it's it's good to have some young blood in the program at a key position like a recruiting director. So we'll see how it, uh, how it goes, but Hey, he's just hopping on the bandwagon. Now we, we, we got it rolling right now. These last, this last week has been, has been good. Now I, I we said that on the last podcast and I'm so glad we didn't record before this past weekend because we would have had to like eat our words that recruiting was going well, but it is going well. Yeah. So, I think it is, and I think it's building some momentum, and I think it's getting momentum from within, and I think in this day and age, um, what I'm starting to learn is, uh, we saw it with artists, I think 
internal recruiting from the players that you have on your team, given what's happening with Twitter and social media and those types of things and the access that the people still have to each other. 30 years ago, that didn't matter. Nobody was picking up the phone talking, you know, when they were getting recruited to Nebraska, uh, calling up yeah. somebody. You just went to wherever was local. It's more global now. It's more, there's more access. There's more touch points and there's more people reaching out as student athletes um, within colleges to high schoolers or high schoolers reaching out to student athletes in college saying, how do you like where you are? You know, have they been good by you? So, it, I mean, Dax just this past week tweeted out, like, we need to get at so-and-so, at so-and-so to tech. Uh, two, like, North Carolina big-time recruits. Uh, and that's just, like, crazy. Like, that never would have happened. It couldn't have happened uh, mm. 10 years ago. And now he's putting, you know, one of the top 50, top 10 guys in, in the recruiting class for next year in a tweet saying you should come to tech. And he's a big-time recruit himself, so it carries a little weight. It's... It's pretty interesting to see that. And the more guys we get, the more that can happen. All right. Well, I think, uh, you know, considering there was no, like, main attraction in this podcast, there wasn't, like, a big topic, like a game recap or the spring game or whatever, uh, we covered many topics and uh, hopefully put a decent bow on what's been going on the last month because it has been wild and we we covered galen scott in the past one that wasn't that was kind of part of all this too but like that that got the cutoff because that just happened before we recorded last time thank god because i don't think i could have taken any more drama in this podcast (laughs) a lot of a lot of rumors a lot of uh speculation and then a lot of good news too so it was fun uh we'll be doing podcasts probably in july on the teams that got pushed back because of all the stuff that's been going on. So we'll preview next year's opponents after the July 4th holiday, I would assume, because we're both going to be a little busy till then trying to enjoy our summer, but then it'll be fall camp and then it'll be FSU. It's going to be, it's going to be happening fast. I know Tallahassee's going to be here before you know it. Um, <laughs> and that's going to be, you know, regardless of where our team stands, it's gonna be, it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be a big game. It's gonna get a lot yeah. of publicity because it's two big names. Um, it's early in the season, so I'm I'm super pumped about it uh, and excited to 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 get into that um, along with all the other opponents. I think we got a really good schedule this year, and it might even uh, add to our podcast to have some mystery at the starting QB. Who even knows, you know, if we just assumed it was Josh Jackson, you know, that's a, almost a little boring compared to wait, who could be starting in his place. But yes, that's for another podcast. Another year of quarterback <laughs> uncertainty. Please sign me up. Yeah. Right. All right. You can hit us on Twitter. It's two deep VT, two deep VT at gmail.com. If you want to send us any questions or comments, and then make sure to rate and review us on iTunes or I guess it's Apple Podcasts now. Uh, I saw we had a, a new review from Hokie Nation this week on there. Thanks for giving us a five-star review. We much appreciated. Um, and I guess uh, the website, 2DVT.com. That's the last thing. You can go there, check out all the beers we've had and all the stats that Robbie's been running the last two seasons. Until next time, go Hokies. Go Hokies.